If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be wrapping up our sermon series called In the Light. Um, And we're going to read all of the chapter um, as we go through 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, uh, as we wrap this up. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Matter of fact, I want you to say this, say overcomes, all right? Overcomes is an aspect that we're going to be playing out here uh, throughout scripture, throughout this, the end of this part right here. Overcomes is something that we are going to do. But listen again what he says. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only, listen to this, only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who overcame or who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. Then there are three in agreement. And we accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which He has given about His Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life and who, he who does not have the son does not have life. Verse 13, I write these things to you so that you, so you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him, what we asked of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray, and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. And we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and eternal, or he is the true God in eternal life. Verse 21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. As we wrap up this last part of 1 John, as we've dug into being in the light, we talked about what it means to be in the light, we talked about what it means to be a child of God. I want to ask you this question, how do you overcome the craziness of what's going on in the world? How do you overcome the hatred? How do you overcome violence? How do you overcome anger? How do you overcome the pain and the heartache, the hurt and the disease? How do we overcome all of this? 
And the reality is, as we live in this world, we live in a world that is falling. We live in a time where evil seems to be overcoming good, where more and more people are angry, more and more people are hurtful, more and more people suffer from diseases and sicknesses and pain and sorrow and everything else. We see more and more people who suffer from suicide and depression now than we've ever seen in the history of humanity. So how do we overcome this? And uh, today's sermon title is Overcoming the World, but I want to challenge you with this statement, by keeping the faith. And I'm not talking about Billy Joel's song, Keeping the Faith, for those of you who are older. Matter of fact, I, when I was preparing the sermon, I was like, oh, I got to listen to this song. Um, you really realize how stupid the words are to that song when you realize this whole, whole song idea is built upon keeping the faith of the music industry going. Uh, but, I, but I want you to think about this, by keeping the faith, and I'm talking about the living faith we have in Jesus Christ. See, in today's world, most people operate in one of two categories. As a matter of fact, most people really tend to identify people in one of two categories. Either they're the villain or the victim. That's the way we operate. As a matter of fact, if you remember a couple weeks ago, it's probably been two or three uh, weeks ago at least, I said that we've got to stop operating in the villain-victim mentality and start operating in the victorious category. Because the reality is we all walk victorious when we are in a relationship with Christ. See, Jesus came so that you wouldn't be trapped by a villain or victim mentality. Jesus came so that you would walk under the banner of Jesus Christ and you would walk victoriously in Christ. And so we're going to unpack this this today in John chapter 5, what it means to overcome the world. What does it mean to walk in victory? How do I live victoriously? And I want to give you this. If you remember anything else, here's the key statement that I want to make today. The secret to a victorious life is in Jesus Christ. The secret to a victorious and obedient life is in Jesus Christ. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember that. And I think it's funny that we say the secret to, you know, that's like the, the old Calgon commercials. Is it Calgon? Uh, the, 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 I'm trying to remember what it was. The ancient Chinese, not Calgon. What was it? Ancient Chinese secret. Anyways, I'm, not, I'm chasing rabbits here, all right? But this whole idea is it's not really a secret at all, but the, the idea is this. If I want to walk in a victorious life, then I walk in a life that is filled with Jesus Christ, obedient to Jesus Christ, doing what he's called me to do at any and all times. That's how I experience a, victori experience a victorious life. Victory is not in what I do. Victory is in what Christ did on the cross. I overcome the world because Christ overcame the world first and foremost. I am able to do all things in Christ, not in my own ability. And so we begin to see that victory comes in our relationship with Christ. So the secret to a victorious life is in Jesus Christ. So the question I want to ask is this. How do I live victoriously then? How do I walk in victory in my life. Because day in and day out, most of us walk around and it seems to be something that is running around in our society as a whole in general. But I want you to also think about this. I see it in Christians. A lot of us walk in defeat. We walk around with our heads tucked down, woe is me attitude, walking around in defeat because we look and think, man, the world is overcome when the world hasn't overcome. When Jesus is already overcome, and so you can walk in victory, you can understand that it, what it means to overcome the world. I overcome the world in Christ. Now, I want to remind you what 1 John talks about. 
First John laid it out that in order to walk in the light, there were going to be some things evident. That when we walk in a relationship with Christ, we walk in the light. Because light and darkness don't have anything to go together. If I'm walking in the light, then I'm walking in Christ. If I'm walking in the darkness, then I have no relationship with God whatsoever. I have no connection with God. But in order to walk in the light, there were a number of things that we said. Number one, walking in the light means I'm going to be obedient. I'm obedient to what God has called me to do, number one. Number two, as we said, that when I walk in the light, I'm going to renounce sin. In other words, I'm going to realize that, look, I I am a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I am going to sin. He who claims to be without sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's what 1 John says. But 1 John then lays it out and says, look, you can't continue to walk in sin either. So there's a balance. And what we've said all throughout this time is the balance is this. If I am in Christ and I am walking in the light, then it doesn't mean I should be sinless, but that I should sin less. I shouldn't be running headlong into sin, doing what I feel like I want to do. Rather, I should walk in obedience. So we said we're going to be obedient. We're going to renounce sin. Number three was that we reject worldliness. We have to reject the worldly ideas and we have to keep the faith. And so we ran through that, walking in the light, being obedient, renounce sin, reject worldliness, keep the faith. And now we're going to wrap up with this idea of what it means to keep the faith. So how do I live victoriously in this life? Number one is this, by walking in faith. Listen again to what he says in the first couple of verses. Everyone who believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This love for God, or this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. I love it when I have conversations with people who tell me, well, God's all about rules and, and regulations and desires and stuff. Yes, listen to me. God set up those for a reason. God set those up to guard us, to protect us, to keep us from the things that would hurt us most. But he says, and he goes on, he says this, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. When I walk in a relationship with God, when I walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I overcome the world. So how do I overcome disobedience? Through Christ. Through Jesus Christ, I overcome disobedience because in my relationship with Christ, I now desire to do what he wants me to do. So I become obedient to God's word. How do I overcome or how do I renounce sin? How do I walk away from the life I lived? You know, thankfully, I had somebody tell me one time, we were having conversations, they were like, you should run for politics. I'm like, I would never succeed at politics. And here's the reason why. Because the first thing they would do, because this is today's culture, the first thing they would do is they'd go back to my high school years. I mean, all I got to do is look at every politician who's ever ran. Do you know what he did? Oh, my gosh. Dude, it would be over. Because they'd be like, you did what when you were in high school? And I'd be like, yeah, I know. Every time. I'm reminded of it. But it's this idea of renouncing sin that I walk away from the life I had because before I was without Christ, but now I'm with Christ. And so I, I walk in faith. And listen again what he says. For everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is our faith in? What is your faith in? As a matter of fact, I would even challenge you to say this. It seems like for many in today's world, especially in American culture, our faith is in politics. 
It's not in the Savior of the world. It's not in the fact that God is sovereign. God rules. God has everything under control. God knows every situation and circumstance. It's not in that. Our faith is in politics. If, if a certain person came in, then we would be good to go. Everything would be fine. But since this person isn't elected, then everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. Is that sovereignty or is that politics? Politics leads us down the wrong road. But listen to this. If, if our love for God and one's fellow Christian is at its core obedience to God's commands, then how do we carry these out? See, I believe that walking by faith means that I walk in obedience to God's word and I love God and I love others. That's what he's laying out. And so this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And he says in verse five, who is it that overcomes the world? And one of the things we have to begin to see is this. He says, only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There is a clarification here that most people don't want to acknowledge and most people don't want to understand. But according to God's word, this is what he's saying. If you want to overcome the wickedness, the evil, the hatred, the anger, the anxiety, the depression, the feelings, the emotions, if you want to overcome all of that, if you want to overcome your wickedness and your sinfulness, the only way you can overcome the world is through a relationship in Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of what God is trying to lay out here for us to walk victorious. If I want to walk victoriously, then I have to walk in faith. And I have to deal with the struggles and difficulties. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. We always look at this. But John points to a faith as the secret to a victorious life. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. In other words, it's God's grace given to me, but it's through my faith in God's grace that he has offered that. So there's something taking place. So I walk by faith. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's by faith through grace, and this is not for myself. It's a gift of God. So God's grace is the gift. It's not by works so that I can't boast in anything that I can do, but it's simply by my faith in the grace of God that I am saved. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, now faith is confident in what we hope for and certain about what we do not see. You and I know that we can't see God. We can see the effects of God. We can see the reality of who he is based upon what his word says. He speaks to us through his creation. He shows himself through his creation. But we have to understand that the only ones who overcome the world are the ones who have their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. This is why so many people walk in defeat. This is why so many people walk in disobedience. Because our faith and trust isn't in Jesus Christ. Our faith and trust is in everything else. That's why, that's why, listen to me, when somebody gets their emotions all bent out of shape and somebody says something negative about you, that's why we latch on to those words. We latch on and hold on. Why? Because we don't overcome the world in our mind through Jesus Christ. We've overcome our world with the positive thoughts and actions. That's what a lot of people think. So why should I go on living? As a matter of fact, I had a friend. He was a year younger than me. Grew up playing sports with him. His name's Daniel Tinney. Daniel Tinney, uh, a month ago, not even a month ago, um, went out. As a matter of fact, it was right after I got back from Elk Hunting. So I got back here October 22nd. I think it was like six days later. Daniel Tinney disappeared. He went out elk hunting. Disappeared. 
And I saw his post. It was a Saturday night. I saw his post. It was about seven. Well, it was about eight thirty our time. Seven thirty their time. And it said, "I'm sorry. I'm such a failure in this world. Talk to you later." And the next day, the Wyoming sheriff's department out there in Cheyenne area listed an endangered person because they couldn't find Dan Tenney. And come to find out, he'd gone out all cut and decided to walk off in the distance, killed himself, left a wife, three kids. And here's the reason why. Because we latch on to what everybody else says instead of thinking about what God says. We latch on to what everybody feels instead of thinking about what God says. And I want you to understand this. The Bible is very clear that everybody, everybody is made in the image of God. Everybody has a right to overcome the world through Jesus Christ. But listen again what he says. Only those who acknowledge or believe that Jesus is the Son of God are the ones who are going to overcome the world. Why? Because in every way, shape, or form, we try and overcome it in our own strength, in our own ideas, and in our own ways. And what Jesus is saying, what what John is saying here is this, that apart from Jesus, you will never overcome the world because the evil in the world is always stronger than man. But the evil cannot overcome the light. Darkness cannot overcome light. Where there is light, darkness flees. So that is the hope we have. How do I live victoriously? How do I walk in victory? I walk by faith in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I've got a friend who's a pastor down in the Warsaw area. His son, his son's name is Malachi. And I'm going to ask you to pray for him. Malachi Yoder, my friend's name is Dan Yoder. He's the pastor of Living Water Church uh, down in Warsaw. They've got a couple areas that they're also planting Um, around the area. But Dan, I went to school with him at SBU. Daniel's 13-year-old boy, just turned 13, so he's my son's age, Um, about three weeks ago was diagnosed with, I got to read this off, he was diagnosed with DIPG. And what it is, is a cancerous tumor of the brainstem. And he was given less than two years, 13 years old. And my heart sank for Dan because he's, he's, he's planting churches. Matter of fact, they've got three locations now. Rural churches, reaching out to people in the rural communities, growing like crazy. And you can't tell me that's not the evil of what's going on. And you know what Dan's son said? Malachi, 13 years old. You want to learn from a 13-year-old boy? He said, Dad, who am I? If God can use me to see other people come to Christ through this, so be it. I'm like, you're not 13, dude. You're like 30. He's down today in Carolina, going to the Carolina Panthers game. I saw pictures last night on Facebook. He's got a spread. I don't know who he gets to meet. I'm hoping he gets to meet Cam Newton because I'm sure that would be a dream of his. But Malachi lives it out. You want to learn from a 13-year-old, you can learn this. But I want you to understand this. Christians have three great enemies. Number one's the world. And we talk about the world, we're not talking about people. We're talking about the worldly system. Very, the Bible is very clear that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but our battle is against the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms, all right? But listen to me. We have three great enemies. We've got the world. That's number one. Number two is the flesh. 
Our flesh works against us. And number three is the devil. And all three are overcome by faith in Jesus Christ. You want to overcome the world? You overcome the world by faith in Jesus Christ. You want to overcome the flesh and the sinful desires you have? You overcome the flesh and the sinful desires by a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to overcome the devil? Because, listen to me, the devil will always overpower you and overtake you. You want to overcome the devil? It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, becoming a Christian is like enlisting in the army. You become a soldier the minute you enlist, but you have not seen combat. You, are, you, are, you have three great enemies who at the minute you join will come against you. They will waste no time in attacking you as a believer, and they will continue the assault, the assault all throughout your Christian life. So how do I walk victoriously? I have to put my faith in Christ. Listen, our faith must be in the testimony of Christ. Listen to what he says following in verses 6 through 12, and we have to understand this. This is the one who came by water and blood. Here's what he's talking about. This is the one who came by water. What did Jesus, what happened to Jesus when he came and did his ministry? He was baptized. There's nothing supernatural about baptism, but this idea of walking by faith is walking by faith in the Son of God. And he came as one showing us the way. What does Jesus say? He says, look, you got to focus on this. This is the one who came by water and blood. He's talking about baptism, and he's talking about his death on the cross. And we understand, and we can walk victorious when we walk by faith in the testimony of Jesus Christ, because the testimony of those two then go hand in hand with the testimony of the Spirit. What does the Spirit say? The Spirit always strengthens, always encourages, always uses the Word of God to prepare people. What did the Spirit of God do all throughout the Old Testament? It prepared people for the coming Messiah, which is the celebration that we're entering into with Christmas. It prepared people for the fact that there would be a sacrifice that needed to be made. Most people think it was going to be something else, but it ended up being Jesus, the final lamb, the last lamb, the last one to be slain so that no one ever again would have to go through that process. But so we walk in faith, we walk in obedience, and we walk because our faith is in the testimony of Jesus Christ. Number two is this. How do we live victoriously? We cling to our assurance of salvation. You have to cling to your assurance of salvation. Flip over. As a matter of fact, let me, let me finish with this. Verse 12, listen to what he says. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You walk in victory by walking in life. How do you have life? You have life in the Son. If you don't have the Son of God, you do not have life. Number two is this. Cling to the assurance of your salvation. Listen to what he says in verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may what? So that you may know that you have eternal life. John is big on this. If you go back to the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, John says, listen, I wrote all of these signs, as a matter of fact, we've gone through these signs before, but I wrote all of these signs. John's being completely different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's gospel is completely different stories, completely different parables. And John lays them out and he says, I want you to know, I wrote all of these signs so that you may have or know that you have eternal life. Now John comes to this point in his writing and he's saying, listen, I want you to know and I write all these things to you so that you who believe in the name of Son of God will know that you have eternal life. 
There is an eternal security that takes place. You have to cling to the assurance of your salvation. How do I walk in victory? I hold on tightly that God will never leave me nor forsake me. That even then when I walk into a sin and I, I, I do something I shouldn't do, that God has not turned his back on me. Wow, why? Because while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. I cling to the assurance of my salvation. I cling to the fact that God is not turning his back on me. Too many people walk through life and go, well, God must be mad at me. And it's easy to do. It's easy to automatically throw the, 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 the guilt trip on God and say, well, God, you must be mad at me because you gave me cancer. Who's at fault? Is it Malachi's fault? Maybe it was, maybe it was Dan and, and his, his wife, Barbara, our friends. Maybe it was their fault. Maybe there was some sin in their life that, that led to Malachi being guilt or, 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 or cursed with cancer. No, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that from the get-go, it says that creation groans in Romans chapter 8 for the coming Savior. When we look at the fires in California, we can go, well, God, man, why, why are you allowing this to happen? Listen to me. The further and further and further away we get from when Jesus died on the cross, the worse and the worse and worse it's going to get. You have to understand that. It's called sin. And as a result of sin, everything is groaning. Our bodies, the creation of the world, everything is groaning, waiting for the Savior to show up. We cling to the assurance of our salvation because that is what leads us to walk in victory. Listen, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. We cling to that assurance that, that salvation comes by grace through faith. Your salvation wasn't earned. It was bought by Jesus. You were redeemed by Jesus. And since you can't do anything to earn it, you can't do anything to lose it. So you cling to the assurance of your salvation. I can walk in victory knowing that regardless of what happens, God is not going to turn his back on me. God hasn't turned his back on me. But I can walk in victory even in the midst of a death sentence with cancer. Even in the midst of hate and anger. Even in the midst of pain and sorrow. Even in the midst of agony in depression, I cling to the assurance of my salvation that Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. Number three, how do I live victoriously? I approach God with confidence in prayer. Listen, listen to what he says. Verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Listen, Sometimes we wonder why God doesn't answer some prayers. And the question simply is this, is it God's will? And that's not an easy thing to determine or decide. Because when you sit back and you look at the story of Job, and Job's sitting there going, I just lost all my family pretty much, all my kids. I lost all my possessions, all my belongings. I've lost everything under the sun, and you still are going to sit back and worship. Who are we? Matter of fact, there's a point in the book of Job where Job is questioning God, asking him things, and, and God's like, who are you to darken my space? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? 
Now that'll put you in your right place, right? Like, God, why did you do this to me? Now, let me ask, hold on, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Uh, I got nothing on that. See, here's, here's the struggle. A lot of times we ask for our desires, for our will. And yet we don't see the big picture. It's kind of like the blimp. There are certain things that God sees from a big standpoint that we can never begin to see. Why? Because God, according to even his word, he says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, he's going to give us direction for each and every step. But as we're obedient to each and every step, he'll reveal what's going on. He sees the big picture. We see a small picture. He sees his name being made famous. He sees his glory being made known. In the meantime, we're sitting back going, God, I don't understand what the heck's going on. Listen to what he says. We approach God with confidence in prayer when we approach and ask for his will. And here's the beauty about prayer. When we begin to pray that way, God changes our heart and we pray what he wants, not what we want. Matter of fact, think about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy will be, okay, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, all right? So thy kingdom come, thy, not my will be done, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, my will be done. No, that's not what the, at all what he said. Your will be done. And when we pray with that, we can approach him with confidence. Listen, As we have a relationship with Christ, I want you to understand this. Because of your relationship with Christ, you can go to God with confidence. Confidence is something a lot of people lack. But you can stand before God with confidence because your confidence is not in you. Your confidence is in His Son. Your confidence is the one He sent for you. Your confidence is the one who redeemed you, who bought you, who purchased you with His blood on the cross. You stand before God confidently in Christ, not in your own power. So I can go to God in prayer, in confidence, asking anything according to His will, and I know He's going to hear me. You ever been in that situation where maybe you question if God's hearing you? I want, you, I want to give you some verses about what he says about prayer in the Bible. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Listen to what he's saying. This is according to God's will. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Pray for those who persecute you. John chapter 17, verse 1. Pray for God's glory to be made known. Pray for the salvation of others. John chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. In other words, for believers. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. In other words, people who have put their faith and trust in Christ, taking the message to the ends of the world. Pray for the protection of believers. John chapter 17, verse 5. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. Pray for the gospel to be made known to those around the world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will be fear or I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Do you hear what God's will is? There are so many things that we don't pray for. Matter of fact, for those of you who maybe have watched the news this week, we had a a young gentleman, 27-year-old 
guy who tried to go onto the islands in India. Anybody heard about these? He tried to approach the islands, felt like God was telling him to go. He didn't, he ended up going, he ends up losing his life. Like deep down inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck are you doing? You broke the law. <laughs> they told him, don't go there. Don't approach those islands. And it, I don't know if you saw the news media had gone out there at one point. I say news media. Somebody had gone out there with a helicopter, and they were hovering, trying to get some information on this tribe because nobody wants to go on there. And, and a bunch of them, did you, anybody see this video? Come out on the beach, and they're like launching arrows at the helicopter. <laughs> you can see the arrows coming up. You're like, oh, my gosh. Just a remote group of people who have never heard the gospel. And I was sitting there going, what the heck is that guy doing? And he approached God with confidence in prayer. And he knew that God had called him to do this. And that's what he did. And it cost him his life. And I've seen the statements. I've seen the, the, the things. And listen, I'm one of those guys. I'm like, why would you do that? But again, listen, pray for those who persecute you, is what he says. Matthew chapter 5. So we pray for fellow Christians as well who are caught in sin. Listen to what he says in verse 16. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. Here's the reality of what he's saying, all right? It's the idea of literal physical death and not. If you see somebody who's sinning, you should pray for them that God would restore their life. They would understand they don't need what they're doing. They don't need to give in to the circumstances or situations in the life that they've chosen. Rather, that they would see that their life is in Christ. That they don't need to rush headlong into whatever it is they may be going after, but they can rush or wait on what God is doing. So we listen, we pray for fellow Christians caught in sin. And number four is this. How do I walk or how do I live a victorious life? I have to guard myself or guard yourself with obedience. Listen to what he says in verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. And that's a headlong, careless response of just running into sin regardless. Saying, I don't, I don't care. He died on the cross. That's fine. I'm just going to continue to do what I want to do. The one who is born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. Here's what he's talking about. There is a point where we have to understand that we guard ourselves with our obedience that we don't run headlong into sin, that we guard ourselves. This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about Jesus here. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God, remember, the one who is born of God is one who's acknowledged Jesus as Lord, keeps himself safe is the idea. In other words, as a result of striving for obedience, as a result of growing in his word, we understand that in obedience, we are not harmed by the evil one because the evil one can't harm us. Even in the midst of what's going on where you look at a gentleman who's, who's given up his life, that wasn't a result. That wasn't a result of his evilness. It was a simple fact that that's what happened as a result of his obedience. You have to guard yourself in obedience. So in everything we go through and everything we do, we are guarded and protected by God. But God has called us to an obedient life. A life in the light. A life of being light to those who are in the darkness. And so we must know that God has already won the war. But in every battle, 
Satan will attempt to distract. He will attempt to attack. He will attempt to mislead you. And what we have to understand is that we must not listen to the world's call, the world's ideas, the world's thoughts. We must not give in to the evil that, that Satan wants to set up, but rather we are to follow God and follow him wholly. And we are in him who is true. And then listen to how John finishes this. And I want you to understand because it kind of seems to come out of right field or out of nowhere. In verse 21, he says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. What does he mean? And what I would challenge you with is this. In the midst of challenging us to be obedient, to renounce sin, to reject worldliness, to walk in faith, what he's saying is, you cannot let any moral compromise become the idol within your life that directs your life. Any sort of moral compromise we make that goes against the word of God becomes an idol. And so what John is saying is, listen, friends, children, do not compromise on the word of God. Do not compromise morally in your life. Walk in obedience. Renounce that sin. As you renounce that sin and reject worldliness, then you're going to walk by faith in the Son of God. And that's what he's called us to do. So how do I walk in victory? I think those are the four things. We walk in faith. We cling to our assurance of salvation. We approach God with confidence and prayer. And we guard ourselves with obedience to God's word. That's how you walk in victory. Nobody wants to be a loser, do we? I mean, the last time I looked, I never ran into somebody who's like, you know, my goal is to be the biggest loser in the world. Everybody wants to walk in victory. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to be the one who does what's right. And what Scripture lays out for us here today and what Scripture has laid out over as we dug into 1 John is the reality of this, that it's by faith in the Son, Jesus Christ, that we can walk in obedience, that we can renounce sin, that we can do what He's called us to do, that we can reject the worldly ideas, the moral compromises that the world says is okay to do, and we can walk in faith. Only in Christ will you be able to walk in faith, and walk victoriously. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, you know, you know the hearts, you know the conditions of everybody here. And Father, I know today that maybe some come in with heavy hearts, some come in with burdens, some have tried to carry the weight of their life on their own, some have made every attempt to even walk in faith in their own, but yet we run, it seems so easily that we run to worldly ideas. God, we run to things that fill our lives that bring no meaning and no value. They bring no purpose. We run for acceptance from people. We, we desire to see people love us when the reality is, God, we should love you first and foremost. And as a result of loving you, we can love others. And that's where we get our hope and our value. So God, I pray today that maybe there are some here today. Maybe there's somebody here today who is walking in defeat. God, may we be able to walk in victory, understanding that we walk by faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Knowing that he paid the price for our sins, knowing that he died on the cross for that, and he rose again, offering us life. So God, we can walk in a victorious life, knowing that our faith and trust is in him. We can approach you with confidence in prayer. We can cling tightly to the assurance of our salvation because Jesus paid the price once and for all never to be paid again because he made the final payment.
And so, God, I pray that we would learn to guard ourselves, that we would guard our hearts with the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do.